me sound quite holy, but the reality is what I've discovered is you wait on God long enough, you find yourself is not very holy at all. But you do find out that He is. And in the words of the Hebrew word for praise, one of them is a word called yada, and it means I recognize who I am finally. I recognize who you are and the difference has caused me to worship you. Anybody feel a little different than God?
kids are running away But they're not really thinking this is true But we serve a real God And He knows how to call your children We serve a real God that's doing is making the hard times worse so it's time to cry out to the living God bring my children through the worst carry on through the grace of the living one let them see that your heart is for real till they know there's only one Christ they could serve not the Christ of their father it's not that Jesus they need to know. It's the one who will never let them go. It's the Christ that we once knew and the Christ we became too familiar with too. It's time to tell the truth. It's time to in the line Time to show a real God Living in your lives The testimony we thought was important Was how great God saved your life But the word testimony really means I failed and God picked me up and carried me into his life. When I first got saved, I told God how smart he was to bring someone like me to his kingdom. I play the guitar, you know I'm pretty famous in my own mind And I can really help you, Jesus I thought I could hear the heavens crying As they laughed right out loud Yes, we've been waiting for you for a real long time And the torment is starting now said your grandmother prayed for you for 30 years I would have dragged you out of hell to save your life <laughs> so the next time you lift your voice in prayer for that loved one you think will never make it know that Jesus Christ will invade their lives he will answer the prayer of a praying grandmother. He will answer the prayer of a praying father till he sees their life right beside him crying. What were you made for if not for this? 
What were you made for if not to call on God? What were you made for if not to stand in the gap between the consequences of a life lost to sin? What were you made for if not to be alive with the Spirit that God saved you with? Stop asking what you're made for and start agreeing with Him. Jesus is Lord, I have all the privileges of a son. Who told you that? Now that I'm alive in Christ, I finally see who I am. A disciple, a servant, a friend, a co hasn't been much of a worship time it's been more like a chastising movie Bob Jones prophesied to me that I'd be a rooster and crow in the body of Christ would be convicted of denying Jesus that sounds like a great job Bob Thanks for the word of encouragement But if you think this life is meant for you to be comfortable You better think again I used to hate that when I heard it I used to think this must be wrong the longer I study my master's words, I realize I was wrong. There's a lot to consider today if you guys are up for that kind of thing. And uh, there's a lot of things I may really hurt your feelings about. But you know what? Get, I mean, come on, guys. Let's get over it. Uh, and if you can be offended, guess what that means? You're actually not dead yet. <laughs> Which only means there's a little while to go. There's a little more rotting to do before you finally fall all the way into the arms of Christ, which will cost you your life. Um, we think he hung on a cross to save us. He did. So that you could get on and save all that there is not going to survive. 
Isn't that funny? No, it's not really funny, but it sure is, is happening. So, are you okay with all of that stuff? All right, we'll, we'll talk about that. I know David wants to do something here. So. By the way, it is not a sin to clap in the church. You know that. Just so you know that. Yes. It's time to show that you do enjoy what God has done. If you think I'm doing something, you're dreaming. God's done a whole bunch. And if he's gifted someone to come before you and sing, play, teach, or dance, or whatever they're going to do, and they look, and is really good, you just say, wow, that was really good. Look what God did to you. That's what you're saying when you're applauding. You're understanding that? You're not trying to give someone a compliment. You're saying, look what God did. That's really cool. If you can, if, so we can break some of this, because I know from sitting on too many stages... Unless I feel you are with this, I'm like, oh, what are they, uh, you know, and then I'm worried about what you want and not about what God yeah. wants. Amen. You're going to ruin anybody who's up here because they need to hear God. They don't need to hear you. And if you're with them, they'll listen to God. Yes. Is that making sense? Seems really simple, but I'm That's good. That's good, Don. Thank you. Amen. We, we just, again, want to just take a moment. We're going to hear a whole lot more from Don, and um, just wanted to welcome you guys to the gathering and welcome those that are watching by web stream. We have many watch from all over, many places, and uh, it's just an honor to have you with us. Honor to see a lot of old friends, faces that we hadn't seen in a long time, and, uh, but you know, we're still one family, and uh, so it's good to get together. We may want to hang out sometimes even more in the coming days, but, uh, but it's good to see family members and then men people that come and go and uh, but we don't get to see you guys sometimes but you know sometimes they show up they come from all over and they just uh, pop in and out and but it's just a special time to be alive isn't it can you believe that we get to live in the year 2020 yeah, I mean with all the stuff going on and um, you know the Lord chose you chose me to be alive at this special season we could have been you know born 200 years ago or 300 years ago, or, but God chose that we would be alive and on the earth at this time. And uh, we're, gonna, we're getting ready. We want to receive our offering. But I wanted to read something to you that I saw this morning, and then um, you know, we'll receive the offering. But first of all, how many are visiting for the first time? You've never, ever been to the gathering before. Our guys have so... Oh, Bart, where you been, man? That's you. Now, our guys, hey, put your hand back up again one second if you've never been to the gathering. And our guys want to give you something just to, uh, you may want to get on our uh, mailing list if you would like. This is the way you could do that so that we can alert you to certain things that are going on and uh, certain gatherings. You know, there'll be times, they'll be impromptu. I mean, we'll just come together. This is a different time. But it's, it's, like I said, it's an exciting time. And Don, this morning I saw something before we received the offering. But um, I saw it over in James, in chapter 5. And you know where he's talking about how the rich, the elite, are taking advantage of the workers. They're stealing the wages. There's exploitation, corruption among the elite of the earth. Now you read that. You know that eventually the tide will change. God's going to have an answer, but I was looking at this, and I just saw quickly six things. And uh, maybe this is something we'll talk about next week and in the times to come. But it looks like in the scripture, 
the, the elite, the rich have risen up and there's all kinds of corruption and deception going on in the earth. And then it tells us how to live in these times. And the first one he says, therefore establish your hearts. Establish your heart. What that means is be mentally steadfast, settled, immovable in this season. You know, we, we're not the ones that are to be going haywire. We're the ones that are to be stable, secure, immovable. How are you going to be immovable when everything that can be shaken is being shaken? You stand on the truth. You stand on the word. You stand on the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Only one. Everything else, church as we've known it, every doctrine. How I many of you know every doctrine is going to be shaken? That's one reason I wanted Don to come along, because he has a way of shaking doctrines. No, but I'll tell you, I'll, this leads up to why I wanted him to come too. But then secondly, in verse 9, don't grumble. Don't murmur. Don't complain. Because the judge is standing at the door. Yeah, so this is a serious word. Don't grumble. And then the next thing is endurance, perseverance in suffering. Much of the churches not wanted to hear that message. Well, we're going to hear it because we get to live it. But he says, endure. Real quickly, what are we to endure in this time? Biblically speaking, afflictions, hardships, all things. Remember, endure all things for the sake of the elect. Some people won't make it if we don't endure. So we have to endure all things and there's a whole, and then you endure to the end. Why did he say that? All kinds of things. And then the next thing is remember the Lord is merciful and compassionate, and there is an end intended by the Lord. So there's something down the road that God has in mind that you may not be able to see as clearly right now. Does that make sense? The Lord is merciful. He is, he's a judge standing at the door, and he's about to kick, well, I could, anyway. He's about to, he's going to address the rich and the elite that are, anyway, you can read that in chapter 5. When we have more time, we'll go into it because you got to make it at least sound like good news. And it is when you read it in context. But then the next thing in 12, verse 12, when I see stuff like this, to me, this is like the height of, the, of life when the word of God pops out at you. Just to me, I mean, it's better than any, anything, but he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Your no be no. In other words, be resolute in this hour. Know how you're going to answer when they begin to ask you the hard questions. Be resolute. Be determined. You will stand. That's what it means. And you don't back off. And there's some things you will have to learn how to stand. And then the next, but this is what I want to get to. Be ready because the coming of the Lord is nigh. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Nobody's getting excited. Now, the only issue is, before the Lord appears in the clouds, as we were speaking, there are many things going to happen on the earth that are a part of the coming of the Lord. But that's the message. You gave me this book that I just read this week. It was ordained of God called The Midnight Cry. And how God is raising up messengers that are going to proclaim the coming of the Lord. But not just that day that he appears, the times and seasons approaching. And what's coming. And what's happening. And what we get to be a part of. So anyway, that was an ordained gift. 
is it okay? I can't give it back to you because I, ma- I marked it all up. You know, I was going to keep it really neat and give it back. I can't give it back now. I just want to live it. I want to be one of those messengers. It's an amazing, Archie Kendall, an amazing revelation. But this is why I wanted Don to come. We were having lunch about three weeks or so ago, and he was sharing some things the Lord's shown him regarding the revelation, you know, the revealing, the uncovering, this time in which Jesus is appearing in many ways. And anyway, I just said, Don, you got to come and share this stuff because that's where we are. We want to know, we want to know him, the one who is being revealed at this time on the earth. And there will be grace given at the revelation of the Lord Jesus. And, uh, but he's going to raise up people that have a piece of, the, of the, this amazing revelation. And I wanted him to come. And I told him, you don't hold anything back. We need everything shaken that can be shaken. You know what I'm learning too? I'm glad I'm not stuck in the mud. There's a lot of stuff they taught me that really is not going to bear any weight in these days that we're living. It's not going not to turn out to be that true. I want to know the one who is the truth. And that's all. I'm, you can shake everything. I'm, I, don't, I could care less. I want to know him. So anyway, I said, Don, don't you dare hold anything back. You know, I, we, I, I just have a feeling... He's going to come in a different way than any of us imagined. And because um, if we'd have had this figured out, we'd have had it figured out. But I don't know that you can figure this out. You just want to know him, know him, pursue him, run after him. Be ready to be a, a messenger in this hour because the hour's short and he is coming. I'm going to be one of those that shout it. I'm going to also tell the folks what's coming as a part of his coming too. I ain't going to hold back, but I'm telling you, the coming of the Lord is near. It's just a lot of stuff you got to fill in the gaps there. But anyway, we're going to pray and receive an offering. If you're writing checks, you can write them to the gathering. We're also going to receive an offering at the end like we do for, for Don. We're just, you know, those that come our way, we want to bless him. But um, it, the way we do it, we come forward. You can drop in your offering around the offering buckets we have at the front. Are you guys good? Man, Bart, it's good to see you. We got to be closer, guys. We got to be closer. You, we're going to have to be. We may not always see one another, but we gotta, when we see one another, we, it's like instant brother and sister. You know, I know you. I love you. I'm, I'm one with you. And I'm behind you. I support you. I, I've got your back. We need people that have our back. You know, not those that are patting us on the back, looking for a soft spot of which to drive the, na- the stake. You know, I'm just being honest. You know, this is not a time like any other. I always knew we would be in a time like this. How many of you knew it was going to happen when everything we knew would be turned upside down and the normal won't make it? It ain't going to happen, but anyway... So I don't even know how I got here. But I'm so glad you're here, Don. I'm really so glad. Thank you. Thank you. No, you're a real father and an elder among us. Not only elder in age, but, uh, you know. No, and you're an elder. And I just so thank the Lord for you. And Man, I can't wait for these days. Sometimes you read the news and you want the days. 
You want to go back to sleep. Anybody else? Lord, this cannot be happening. This can't be happening. Oh, I forgot to share the main thing in that scripture in James. The main thing was, is the elite, the rich, were murdering the just. And no one was resisting. That's what it says. They were condemning, which you look it up, it means they were bringing out judgments against the just. And the just were not in opposition. And I've literally asked the Lord in recent days, God, where are the people standing up resisting? And I'm not saying we don't resist, but if you read James chapter 5, there's not going to be a lot of resistance. I don't know that we want to be known as the resistors. We want to be known as those who are submitting to him and following him, regardless of what it looks like. Does Does that make sense? I'm glad I thought about that. You read that. Murder the just? Anyway, it's not up to my opinion. It's up to what God said. So, Lord, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing Don. Thank you for reconnecting so many among us. We make a declaration. We're one. There's one church, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one. And we thank you, Lord. We may not always see one another, but we declare we're one. And we thank you, God, for what you're doing, what you promised in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. And we thank you we're going to see it. We've been called to this hour. And we're going to see what you have purposed and written, even from the foundation of the world. That's why you invited us here to get in on a great wedding feast that's about to be made known. So, Lord, I thank you for that book that I read this week. I thank you, God, how the word comes alive when I least expect it. God, when I'm, I'm just barely opening my eyes. God, I thank you that you are faithful. And I bless the people. I bless those that are watching. Lord, we thank you. What you're doing is breaking out all over the nation. That the devil will not have the ultimate final testimony in this nation. The church will have a testimony as to who our God is and his glory and that he reigns and rules in this hour. So Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, and I thank you. Bless Don, anoint Don. Don't let him hold anything back, Lord. Let him rip, let him rip. That's what he's made for. That's why he's here. That's why he's on the earth. That's why you've kept him. And so, Lord, encourage the people. Give them faith. Fill them with hope. Because in the morning, they'll be hit with many different things. But, Lord, let them remember your word and what they hear today. And it will bear eternal fruit. And all those, Lord, watching, in Jesus' strong name we pray. Amen. So you guys stand. We're going to receive our offering. And you just continue on, Don. It's all yours. End it as you will. Okay? going to be in the book of Revelations. Anybody like that book at all? I'm finding it to be not what we thought. Um, One of the things that we did is call it the apocalypse, which means the destruction of all things, and it actually doesn't say that. It is apocalypse, and I can't pronounce that correctly. It's a Greek word that means the glorious unveiling of Christ. That doesn't sound like kill the world, does it? We somehow messed that up. But that won't be the first thing we messed up. Um, I'm going to move along pretty quickly because I want to go through a few subjects. uh, And I have lots of 
deep, boring explanations and how I got to that. If you want to go through that, I can go through that with you. But uh, sometimes that's just too dull. Anybody good with that kind of stuff? I studied, I've been doing this for many, many years now, and I've been up on the mountain all by myself, so my social skills are in a lot of trouble. Um, if you stay a lot of time with God, you're going to lose your ability to be nice because God is not nice. Turns out he's not nice. He's kind and loving, but he's not nice because you have to be a liar to be nice. <clears throat> and as you well know, God is not going to lie to you. He's never going to be nice to you. He's just going to tell you the truth in love. You know, any rate. We are much deeper into the end times than we think we are. Uh, and I know that we have felt in my heart, I've always felt that these are times that are coming. Um, but the truth is they're not. And some of it has been here a very long time. Some of it is now beginning to happen and some of it is yet to come, if that makes any sense. And, and the scriptures even state that. And at any rate, I do most of this study through, uh, I use Strong's Concordance, of course. I use Thayer's. I use Zohitis as a, an exhaustive uh, concordance. And I also use a Bible called uh, the Ancient Roots Translinear Bible. That's a direct translation from Aramaic and or Hebrew to English. A little rough in the reading because, you know, we've smoothed a lot of it out, so it, sentences are a little rough, but very, very significant things are missing from English translations. And the biggest reason is English has changed dramatically since 1630 uh, when the first English Bible, actually 1514 is when the first English Bible, I think. And it was, the first English Bible was commanded by King Henry VIII. He commanded it to have a certain way about it. Uh, and when he did, he also was the one who said, I like all the new stuff, the New Testament, and I want you to put that and call it holy. I'm not, the New Testament is incredibly important, but it was put there by man and probably God. The next Bible that was written was written by the bishops, called the Book of the Bishops. They didn't like King Henry VIII, the one who murdered family and stuff to get his own way. Sweet guy. Uh, and once that had been read, and then King James comes, thank you God, and says, you know what, you're all wrong, we're going to redo this again. And it was written in what is called an Episcopal fashion. That's just a brief, brief history of how we got scripture. God is smart enough to tell you the same thing, even if man changed it. If you can't figure that out, the Bible, why do you say, why did he say that again? Guess why? Because men messed around with it and he's going to be sure that you see it. So the first thing, uh, and I'm, this is a fascinating thing. The four horsemen, is anybody familiar with what I'm talking about when I say the four horsemen? This is written in the book of Revelation. Um, John is in heaven. I can't give you the whole thing because it would just take way too long, but I will get to the, the easy parts or the quick parts. The Jesus addressing the seven churches in heaven are also have been prophesied that those were times. Uh, you know what I mean? We have been through times. They were church seasons. But they are also church denominations. That's the hidden part. They're also warnings from our Savior. Jesus is warning us even for this day. 
any rate, I'll, I'll skip to the horses. Are you okay with that? We'll get to the four horses, then we'll get on to some other stuff. The four horsemen have been thought of as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, of the destruction of all mankind. And the truth is, God was not sending us four destroying horses or representing four horses. You know that scripture in Revelation is metaphorical and it is also symbolic. So you have to get that and it's happening in a vision slash dream. So dream language and vision language is different. Is anybody aware of that? It's different language. As an example, the word see, when you, S-E-A, when you see that in scripture, it means humanity. It doesn't mean the ocean. Am I making sense? God is enthroned on what John saw as a sea of glass. That means, translated, God is enthroned on humanity's transparency. That's what that means. And that's what's happening to us today. We, humanity, is being made transparent and is also mingled with fire. Do you remember that? John said, it looks like God is enthroned on a sea of glass mingled with fire. Well, the fire is the way God creates in us the ability to be seen. Am I making sense? The whole body of Christ, including all of humanity, is being uncovered as we speak. And it is being uncovered to reveal its character. This church is having its character revealed. That's not all that great. You know what I mean? It's like, oh yes, and the world will say, wow, what a great church. No, the world is going, whoa, what happened to you guys? And so as God reveals this to us, that character revelation is not to shame you, it's to change you. Because he's not doing this to say you guys are dead. He's saying this, alive people don't act like this. So I'm giving you both revelations. Are you okay? So far. Anyway, I'm off subject already. Um, four horsemen. The first horse is a white horse. You remember this, if you do remember it. Um, and it's a part of the seals. And he said, I saw, and this is in verse, or chapter 6, I'm sorry, of Revelation. Now I saw when the lamb opened up one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice, like thunder, come and see. That's where we get the word rapture, is come up here. The word, the Greek word is rapture, to come up here. That's not exactly a good interpretation um, to be telling us that we're out of here before the trouble starts is not necessarily a good idea to try to be convinced of that because you really will be disappointed. Thank you, Bob, for giving me that word of sticking my thumb in the eye of the church. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, verse 2, and I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, isn't that interesting, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. It sounds pretty, go out and kill people. Well, conquer doesn't mean kill, it means capture. It means to take spoil. It means to value what you conquered. You understand that? So he's not out here to kill. He's also been given a bow, no arrows, isn't that funny? Because the word bow in the original is rainbow. It's not bow, bow and arrow. It's a rainbow. So white horse, 
uh, in vision represents the purity of God. And, he, and this white horse came from heaven. It came from the throne of God. So it can't be the Antichrist, which has been preached, that this is the Antichrist. It came from the throne of God. I'm not sure God would release the Antichrist from his own throne. Is that making any sense? So white represents purity. He's been given a crown that represents authority, authority, and he's been given a rainbow which represents promise. So the white guy, the white horse is showing up to conquer us for the purity of God through the promise of God. So he didn't come to kill us. How many years ago, does anybody of you guys remember this little movement that took place uh, among young people when they were saying love waits, meaning I would, I would resist having um, intimate relationships before I was married? Does anybody remember that movement? That was when the white horse was first released. That was years ago. And the God has been calling the church to this place of purity, but we're already convinced we are. And that's why we're not walking in it. Anybody feel that one? That hurt a little bit? And that's what's been happening to us. We've been told, hey man, now that, you're, now that you come to church, it's not even now that you're saved. Now that you come to church, everything's okay. Because if you don't go to church, you're not okay. Correct? Church is really basically the concept of gather. It's the gathering. That's why this place is called the gathering. It's because why? Well, I like that guy. I don't mind talking to him, and I never see him all week, so I go to church. And we share what God did in your life. That's called enter his gates with thanksgiving. That means you stand out there in the thing, you have coffee, talk about what God did in your life, I hope, and not what the enemy has done, but what God has done in your life. You get really excited about it, you start going freako, and you break into the doors with thanksgiving. That's why praise should be happening long before you get in this room. And to try to make them make you like God enough to praise him is a little nuts, don't you think? Did we lose something along the way that we didn't even think to stand out there and say, boy, you know what God did to me this week? If he didn't do something to you this week, you might want to check your pulse. Because I guarantee he did something to you this week. He probably did it all week. And that ought to get a little bit of, whoa, God is good, going in the parking lot, don't you think? That's what the scriptures mean by they entered his gates with thanksgiving and came into his courts with praise. I know I'm making sense, but that's the white horse. That's just the white horse. He's been on the earth calling us to that place of purity and not going to quit because he's got God's promise in his hand. So he's not in and on. He's not trying to shoot you in the head if you don't go for it. He's got a promise in his hand. He will blind you with the brightness of it. Am I making sense? All right. Uh, the second horse. I look and behold, or I'm sorry, uh, verse 3. Uh, and when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. That's right there at the throne. Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and he was granted uh, to, to the one who sat on him to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Do you think we are in that time now? 
There is, peace has been taken away from the earth. Is that correct? And people are killing one another. Is that true or not? That means the red horse is here. Now, I kept saying, well, God, there it is. There's the kill thing right there. It's the red horse. People are killing each other. And there, so you're going to have to prove it. He said, what's he carrying? I said, well, he's got a great sword. And the Lord said, what is the great sword? The word of God. So he came to the earth on this fiery red horse, drove the great sword of God into the ground, and said, this is the line that can't be crossed, and that created, that took peace away from the earth. Nothing's going to take peace away any faster than the real word of God being actually stated in the way it's meant to be stated, and say, this is the line. Well, no, that's not fair. It's not fair. Isn't that nice? It's not fair. And I will get to this, but just so you can hear this, the beast that rises up out of the sea means he was made from humanity, and his goal is the fairness of man versus the will of God. That's the beast. I won't tell you what the second one is yet, because you will not like that when I tell you. But the first one is humanity rising up to call what is fair, fair, without consulting God. That's why we're in this mess. It's because we've decided this is fair and that's not. And our children are trying to look at our old rules, which all fell into the garbage can some time ago, and never really got the job done because we didn't fulfill our own rules. We're right back to the Jews at the time, and they're saying, we know all the Gentiles to be circumcised. And, all of the, and James stands up and said, you know what? This didn't work on us. Why are we going to try to make them follow the same rules that we never fulfilled? And we've been doing the same thing. We're trying to tell our kids something that we're not living. So God is now calling us to live that with which his word says. Oh, that's, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> that's a little, uh, a little rigid, don't you think? I'm not positive about what rigid and narrow really means, but I know that the road to heaven is narrow and not, not traveled by very many. So it's like, we're going to have to get used to that. So that's the red horse. I like the red horse. Um, the third seal is, and that's in, in uh, verse 5, and when he opened the second, I'm sorry, the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on him had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. I was a little taken by that. And I forgot to tell you, Bob Jones's prophetic word, I don't know if, I, if you heard this or not, he had a prophetic word about what was coming on this nation. There were four judgments coming upon this nation. Did I do that? No, I couldn't have. I'm just standing here. Um, I couldn't have done that. <laughs> the um, first one was fear. Of course, there is no fear here uh, in this country now. Uh, and then the second one is anxiety, a little bit of that. And the third is depression. And the fourth was terror. 
So when he gave those four, I, said, I, kept, I was sitting there listening to him while he's prophesying that, and I'm thinking, E-I-E-I-O, here we go, you know, down the road, fear, terror, all that stuff. And the Lord began to show me the four horsemen. This is where the four horsemen came from. Uh, and um, I have no idea. I do have that effect on electronic stuff, by the way. Um, the first one was fear, and that was the white horse. And I said, fear, why does that cause fear? The moment purity comes upon the body of Christ, it will strike fear in the hearts of the world because it's an undeniable power. The second one is the red horse, which is anxiety, and the second God's word gets driven into the ground and stabilized in us, that's going to create a great anxiety in the world. Most of us are suffering close proximity to what the world is going through based on what God's doing in you. How many feel that way? You've been driving down the road, minding your own business, thinking about God, and suddenly have these horrible, perverted thoughts, and you have no reason on the planet for have been thinking like that, but you didn't realize somebody just drove by you that is as sick and weird as it gets, and you are picking up those thoughts because God made you a receptor, a receiver. And now you're hearing junk. So the discernment factor has to really get this another, that's a whole other long sermon. Anyway. Then the third thing Bob said was depression. That's the black horse. All of these horses are in alignment with that. So I thought, well, depression, woo. Doesn't he say when the black horse comes that he would say... When he opened the third seal, I heard a living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales. Don't you think that's great? In his hand. And he had, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, Quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts for a barley for a denarius. Do you think, that means finances are out of balance. Do you think they're out of balance now? Are things ridiculously expensive? I don't even talk about medicine. Just everything is, I mean, we're definitely in a time where it's taking a day's wage to have a loaf of bread. Do I need something? Hold it higher and the transmitter won't go weird. Okay. That's quite great. It's wisdom. Hold the microphone down here. The transmitter goes not to hold it up here and you're fine. Thank you very much. Um, transmitter. Um, so I looked at that, that's Bob's word for depression. So the black horse is carrying a pair of scales. The actual translation is he's carrying balance. We translated it into scales. Balance is really different than scales. So the black horse is coming to bring balance to finance. Amen. Not destroy it. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Now, is, is our nation in financial trouble at the moment. And somehow God's going to bring financial balance to the church. How the heck is he going to do that when we're up to our neck in financial mess? That does not phase God. It phases us and we freak out over it. He's not freaked out by this. He's bringing balance. But he also says something very interesting. A quart of wheat for a denarius. Okay, yeah, we're, that's right where we are. Uh, and for a barrel uh, Quarts of barley for a denarius, do not harm the oil and the wine. Now that's, that's a warning, that's what that is. 
Uh, the oil is the anointing that's coming, which is way bigger than the anointing we've ever known before. God can't afford to drop an anointing just arbitrarily out there. We'd kill ourselves. You hand a 16-year-old the keys to a 700-horsepower car, and you're probably going to have some problems before he gets back. Do you know what I mean? We cannot hand the power over that God is looking to hand over to us to the irresponsibility that we live under at this particular hour. Am I making any sense to you? He will find people to do that with, but it's going to be a few at a time. Uh, we'll all get to that. Do not harm the oil. Now, one of the issues we face as a body of Christ uh, is self-importance and self-promotion. Am I making any real, real sense to you? I was in the self-promotion business. I was in the music business for a very long time. And there's nothing more important than walking out into the parking lot and people recognizing you. That couldn't be. There's nothing. The whole world can stop. I'm recognized in the parking lot. Thank you. I have $6 and the rest of it has been stolen from me, but I am recognized on a daily basis. That's called recognition. That's exactly what Satan asked Jesus to do to him. Would you worship me? They use two words to worship. One word is to bow before me. The second word is to recognize me as special. The moment we kill ourselves to be recognized as special, we are moving into Satan's territory and we are beginning to do the very thing God has said. Only God can be worshipped here. Only God can be recognized. Only God can be famous in this picture. Am I making any sense? I know I'm making sense. It's just now getting rid of that mess is where the hard parts come. So that oil, the same thing that happened with Jesus when he's with his disciples, they said, who would betray you? And Jesus said, the one who puts his hand in the bowl of oil with me will betray me. The oil was a common bowl. The Jews had that on their tables to soften unleavened bread so they didn't break a tooth while they were eating unleavened bread. And so they would, and it was well known you would never put a finger or hand in that bowl. You'd make it rancid. They knew that. They wouldn't do that. For it's two gospels said the one who puts his hand in the bowl, not the bread, and so the third gospel says the bread, but two gospels say the hand. That means the Lord's trying to tell us something. The one who reaches, grasping at the anointing when I reach for it, will betray me. There's an anointing coming that's so powerful that if we reach for it, it will be like Usa, who reached for the Ark of the Covenant when they were being carried the wrong way through the streets. They worshipped God because David worshipped God. I know I'm just drifting off. Um, with all of his might, it kept from carrying the ark the wrong way from anyone being smoked from doing it. We have been carrying the presence of God the wrong way for a long time. But because we have worshipped, we've gotten away with it. Has anyone noticed how it's harder and harder to engage in worship? Are you getting real with it? Are you getting real about this? Come on, guys. I mean, it's getting harder to engage. Why? Because the Father is not receiving this offering based on us reaching for that anointing. Is this going anywhere with your heads and stuff? We can't do this. We can't. We've got, and the truth is there's a simple answer. Huh? Repentance. 
My favorite word, Christine, my, she loves to go out. Let's go to the neighbors and repent for a while. Yeah, that's a great idea. <clears throat> but that's, she thinks nothing's more fun than doing that. And so I thought to myself, you know, when we haven't gone down that road, you know, I repent once in my life, and that's the end of that. You know, I accept Jesus as Lord, and that means I never have to accept him again as the Lord. Did you hear that? So, do not harm the oil and the wine. Wine is a choice. We have a choice. It's going to be the wine of God's wrath or the blood of Jesus Christ. There's your choice. You can either go towards the blood of Jesus Christ. And when all this is said and done, there's one thing that we cannot escape. The cross of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the finished work that that did on this earth. We cannot escape that. I'm not trying to escape that. I'm actually trying to bring it into a real reality that I'm living under that blood. First John, now that you know, now that you have or the anointing of Christ, it says, not Don's anointing. Now that you have the anointing, he, his anointing, you are no longer in need of a teacher, says, uh, it says in first John. That's because if you got close enough to Christ, that anointing, the anointed one on him, spills over on you. And you'll get some of that stuff on you. And then when someone stands up in front of you and says, this is what the word says, you go, got it. Not got it on my notes, got it in my heart. God said, didn't he say, I want to write my word on your heart? I mean, the whole deal was about writing the word on, his, on our hearts. But now, anyway. Are you okay with harming the oil and the wine? Do not harm. That means do not misuse or destroy this anointing that's coming or the blood that's been shed. Am I making, I know I'm making sense on this. I mean, how many years have we spent? We're trying to get God out of everything. So the next thing is to get Jesus out of everything. I mean, his name's been gone for some time as far as you can stand up in front of a crowd and thank God all day long, uh, and everybody's okay with it. They, though they'd like to stop that, but you cannot get up and thank Jesus Christ for what's happened in your life. Can't do it. You will be out of business if you do that. Well, then put me out of business. And if being in business means I can't say that, and I can't do that, then I don't think I want to be in this business. Now that sounds easy for an old guy who sits up on the hill all day long. You know, for me to say, well, easy for you, you're not facing what? Rejection? Do you think this is going to go easy? At any rate, the Lord was, we were praying back there, and the Lord was very clear. And he said, you guys have been sitting in a puddle of water and praying the prayer to not drown. You're not in the deep end, and I'm gonna pick you up and throw you in the deep end, so that prayer starts to become, that prayer becomes sincere, sincere. So there's life in your prayer. When you're in the mid-Atlantic and you've fallen overboard, you're going to be praying with all your might. Am I getting it right? I mean, do you hear what this is? We have not in a place where we're praying with any kind. Yeah, God, fix this stuff, you know, make, make the kids do what I want. I mean, God is mine to use as I see fit, the way we see it at this moment. Rather than I, a servant? How about that? You know the story. We start as a disciple of Christ, 
And we move into, hopefully, move into servant of Christ. Anybody? And then Jesus one day says to, to those who have been discipled and those who have gone through lots of changes, I no longer call you a servant, but now I call you friends. doesn't mean you're not still a servant. It just means he's now labeled you a friend. You are a friend of Jesus. That's really great. He, Jesus is not a friend of mine. He's my Lord, and I'm a friend of his. How's that work? He's the Lord, That's, and it stays that way. If anybody cannot hear that, God, he stays that way. Jesus is the Lord. I might be called a friend. He could call me dirtball if he likes. It doesn't make any difference. He remains the Lord. And we cannot put God or Jesus on a bud basis. He is not a bud. He's God. And he must be esteemed as such. He cannot be lightly esteemed, ever, ever. Hate him or love him. Do not do the middle ground. Just don't do that. I, make, I know that's making sense, but that's why when we come in here, we cannot look like we're in middle ground. We cannot look like this is, well, it's a little bit of a fake job. I'd rather have that fake job and get you through that. David worshiped God with all of his might. That means in his flesh. Until the spirit took over. And then he took over and then his worship became total spirit. If, Worship is in the flesh at the beginning. And then it, it matures, it advances. We've been there hundreds of times, haven't you? Okay. Are you okay? All right, this guy. Then we have the ever lovely pale horse. Um, this is in verse 7. And when he opened the fourth seal, and I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was death. This is the terror word that Bob had. And Hades followed with him. And, the, and power was given to them, that's Hades and death, um, over a fourth of the earth. That's a sizable chunk. Uh, to kill with sword, with hunger, and with death, and by the beasts of the earth. Now, that'd be a really tough scripture to read and not think, oh my God, we're in trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the only thing I can think is like, this is like, nobody's going to survive that. But then the Lord said, you're still reading a vision. Be reminded, you're still looking at symbols. And so I said, okay, I need to see something. I looked at this thing. Turns out, pale horse is not an accurate translation. It is mildew. The accurate translation is the mildew horse, and the writer's name is death, which means absence of God. So the mildew is a sign of a curse wherever God is absent. And he's riding through the land and going every place God is not. And leaving mildew behind which kills everything that tries to grow in its place. That's the pale horse. Am I making sense? And he has ridden through some churches. Now, one of the hardest things that we all face, is we, we, we want God to come on our schedule, on our terms. And is that correct? I know the 12 o'clock rule, don't worry. Don't get, don't get scared. I know it real well. 
<laughs> Turkey's over at 12 o'clock. Are you stupid or something? <laughs> I used to love that. And, and I, I remembered it from the years I tried to lead worship in a small church in Nashville. And it would be, you know, five of 12, and the preacher's really going deep. And everybody's like, don't go deep now. Don't go deep now. Come on, man. Don't call the Holy Spirit into this mess. It's nearly 12 o'clock. How kind is God to have tolerated this for so, all, all these years? How kind is God? If you can't think God is kind, then think about that for a second. That's pretty kind. So the pale horse is mildew. He's spreading that. And he then given power. That word is permission, by the way. It isn't power. I got a lot of strength. It means he's been given permission uh, over a fourth of the earth. Means he's been given permission to ride through a fourth of the earth. That much, that much of this earth has not had the presence or the, or the, yeah, the presence of God. Uh, you know, in the end times when we all get to what we would call heaven, there's another word for that, and I'll tell you that in a little while. If, I'm, if you're really ready for heavy insult, I got all that worked out. But this... Um, one of, the, one of the things at the end, there will be no more death. And that really doesn't mean no more dying. It means there will be no more time that God is not fully present. That's what that means. Now, how many times have you been in the presence of God and your teeth are rattling and you're having a wonderful time and you're like, oh my God, I love this. And tomorrow, you know, it's a bad day. And where's God? Has anybody ever had that experience? You know, I certainly have, and I would love him. Every time I sit down to play, I want you to be there. And so, and ironically, sometime years and years and years into this, and the cost is high, by the way, the presence has a price. Salvation is the only thing that's free concerning God. The rest of it has got a very high price. If you like the presence, which I do, and if you want that glory on your life, there's a price for it. It'll cost you your life to get to that. I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not satisfied with just being saved. That's a simple, it's, a simple it's, a, it's the concept of good and evil. We were told years ago, don't go to good and evil, you know, don't eat that fruit. <clears throat> now I know good and evil. <laughs> yeah, now you know good and evil, genius. And what do you, have you done with it for the last 10,000 years? We have created the worst heinous crime that's ever been on the planet because we're aware of good and evil. But the only reason why I wanted to know what good and evil is so that I could get as close to evil as possible without stepping over the line and still be classified as good. Isn't that correct? And then we had to invent more denominations so that we could do a different line to good and evil. And every denomination has its own line drawn. This is good. This is evil. You go to one church, speaking in tongues is evil. You go to another one, that's good. How did that happen? How did we get there? Now, lots of the four horsemen, there's a lot more to that, but I, I want to stumble onto something really quickly, and I won't take a lot of time if you guys are okay. Um, right now, in the time that we are in, um, where uh, one world religion has been introduced. Did you know that? It's already been introduced. Uh, it's supposed to be signed into action in September. 
Whatever action means, I don't know. Um, the, there are four major religions on the earth. Does anybody, everybody know that? You know that, you don't know that. It's Christianity, uh, which is the largest by many, 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 many numbers. Uh, Islam, uh, Judaism, and Hinduism. Those are the four major religions. There's thousands and thousands of offshoots from that, but they're rooted in those four major religions. And those four major leaders of those four major religions gathered together two months ago, I think. If not a month ago, I don't remember the exact dates. And they have discussed the concept of one world religion. And they're going to sign it. In, that means they're all going to agree on one religion. Now, we could all say, they're never going to talk me into that. It's not about talking you into anything. Do you understand that? What we're doing is we're, we're, what's happening on the planet at this moment is just like the horses said. There's red horse. The peace has been taken away from the world. Why is the peace taken away? Because the word of God has established the plumb line. It can't be changed. It's the word of God. Well, how do you interpret it? It doesn't matter how I interpreted it. What God said is what God said. And this, that's the end of the sentence. And if that gets you a big problem, we got a big problem. And so they got a big problem. Well, we don't like that. That's called fair. What's fair? That's the first beast. So, and that's something, that's something we'll just have to come at some other point and talk about this. Now, chapter 7, Revelation. Um, after these things, I saw, as John, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Earth is round. Where's the four? How do you get four corners out of it? Obviously, you don't, because he's not talking about corners of the earth. He's talking about the four major religions on the earth, which means this verse is talking about now. Not talking about 2,000 years ago or 2,000 years from now. He's talking about now. Holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Winds is a bit of a, it's a good translation, it's just, it's just wrong, but other than that, it's great. Um, winds means doctrine. So here's Jesus who said, don't get blown about, or, or Paul said, don't get blown about by every wind of doctrine. You see what I mean? So winds means doctrine. Holding the four doctrines on the earth, that the, that the wind should not blow on the earth, that the, those doctrines should not blow. Those angels are holding back those changed doctrines. Now, here's, the, here's where this goes weird. You'll get over it. Um, then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. The church and humanity. That's what those two words mean. The earth is the church. The sea is humanity. Humanism is a better description. Am I making sense? Saying, do not harm the earth or the sea 
or the trees till you have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Anybody have a clue of why you would have to have your forehead sealed by God? Any idea of why the enemy is trying to stick something on your forehead? That is our third eye. It's a little weird. Get over yourselves. It's a little weird. It's our spirit eye. We see through a spirit eye. If it's sealed by God, you see the glory of God in what he's doing on the earth. If it's sealed by the enemy, you see everything from a negative perspective, and everything is dark, and we're all in a garbage can. Thank you very much. It's a very basic, that's all this is. That's why God wanted to seal the 144,000 with his seal before doctrine went south. The four winds. And I said, well, gee, we, we you know, God, what's, what's going to happen? And he said, and I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000. So these were sealed. Guess what? They have already been sealed. They are already set aside for God and his purpose, which means the four winds have been released. The four winds means doctrine. They means, and the four winds means error in doctrine. All four religions are about to change their doctrine called one world religion. That's not coming in 10 years. It starts in September. That's two weeks from now. Does that feel a little closer than you thought? It's a little closer than I like. And, the, you know, we have time. What time are you referring to? It's like COVID hit. Uh, okay, what are we going to do? Actually, nothing. What happened? Everything got closed. Boy, that happened fast. I thought we had time. No, we didn't, did we? We didn't have time. Now, are you, are you okay with, I know this is kind of freaky, you know, and this is one of those things that's like, oh my God, this is happening. No, it's happening now. Those are what these words mean. And so if you, if you go into study and if you really want to go after this, don't pick up one concordance. Pick up as many as you possibly can and start looking what men have studied for years and years. I've not made any of this up. This is what's written in concordances and translinear Bibles and people who have studied So when you talk about the winds, the winds of doctrine means when they blow you from one side to the other. That's why it's called wind. That's why it's hidden in these beautiful scriptures. But God is now unveiling that with which has never been unveiled before. Are you okay? And I will. Seven plagues. That's in... Revelation 15. That's where the sea of glass is too. Seven plagues. The planet, this world has known six major plagues. Did you know that? Since the, since the time 541 BC, it's known six major plagues. This might be the seventh. Might be. I don't know that. A first plague claimed 25 million lives. Second uh, great plague took 50 million, and I think the third great plague took half of Europe. Those are pretty serious plagues. Then they learned the concept of quarantine, and so they took less lives. This is why we're in this, this place now. Now, this plague is the one that's happening now, is not about a virus, it's about terror. It's about fear. 
And what happened to us, what happened to the whole world, is that we are now in such fear that we're dying from it. I'm not trying to tell you to be stupid and do, you know, start French kissing a person with the plague. I'm not <laughs> suggesting anything of the nature. Please do not hear this. But what's happened from it, the plague, the real plague, is fear. Yes, there is a virus, but the plague is the fear that's killing. It's killing the church. It's killing people. It's causing us to come to a place. I don't know if I need to be near you or not. You know, don't let, ever let fear, you know, here's Paul. He's talking to a couple of guys. He's sitting around a campfire. They just survived a drowning out there because their boat crashed. The apostle Paul and a viper, a poisonous viper, bites him on the wrist while he's waving his arms around telling a story. And he looks at it and shakes it off. And then God said, and that's all it was. Now, what we've got to learn how to do is to shake that stupid thing off of your arm and go on with your life. And go on with this thing with God instead of standing there saying, oh my God, I'm going to die from this. Stop prophesying your own death. That's what's happening. We're prophesying our own death. You know, a doctor can tell you that you, got, you really got something bad. Hey, uh, you know, this is not about doctoring. And I don't know if I should insult you with this thing, but the church at Pergamum, which Jesus spoke to, worshipped the god of medicine. Did you know that? They worshipped it. He had four daughters, and their names are names I can't pronounce, but their names mean hygiene, recovery, uh, beautification, to beautify somebody, make them really pretty, and panacea, which means one pill cures all. And they worshipped these guys. That's what advanced until today. Now, the problem isn't doctoring in medicine. That's not a problem. It's worshiping it and then not repenting for worshiping it. Am I making sense? Don't, you know, if you're going to the doctor, go to the doctor. There's a very good chance he's totally or she is totally right about what they're saying. It has nothing to do with the doctor. It has to do with our worship of something that does not want to be worshiped really, when you get down to it. But because it's been passed down through centuries and centuries, we're still sucked, stuck there, thinking that this is my cure. And God is not our first line of defense. Second, third, or tenth, but he's not first. I know I'm making sense. Are you okay? Seven plagues are here. Beasts, my... Favorite thing. <laughs> How's your beast? Um, the beast rose up, first one rises up out of the sea, if you're familiar with, the, with what that is. And that is humanity. And he's trying to do something that's fair. We want to be fair, and that's why we got into this mess. We've been trying to be fair about things, and fair will kill you. Does anybody know that? God is not fair. He's not nice. He does exactly what he wants to do. And he doesn't ask anybody's permission to do it. He just is sovereign. That's the way that goes. To be a servant of a God that's as sovereign as that means, I don't make excuses for what he's doing. I just accept it. If you've ever been in the service, you know one thing. Your, your CO says one thing, and you just say, yes, sir. That's the answer. Yes, sir. And you do it quick. You don't do it, well, let me, uh, I don't, yeah, well, 
Maybe, yeah, I, I probably could do that. It's none of that stuff, man. It's yes, sir, and you're out the door doing it. Are you hearing this? Why is God's people called an army if not to immediately obey? You know what I mean? Why are we called that? Why is it his reference? Anyway, first beast is made out of humanism. Humanism is an enormous subject. And part of humanism is directed by Babylon, which is the concept of merchandising. We are personally guilty. The church is guilty of merchandising. The point was simple. I want to get people to come in, so I'm going to what? Merchandise? Merchandise, give them something to come for. Yeah, that'll get them in here. You know what I mean? I, I was in the music business when people like uh, B.J. Thomas got saved and Bob Dylan got saved and, and, and uh, Eric Clapton, wonderful people. But immediately the church grabbed them. They're six minutes old in the Lord and the church is wanting to use them as an exhibit. Why? Why do you want to use them as an exhibit? To prove a famous person thinks Jesus the same way you think about Jesus? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Think about that just for a second. When we really look at this from that, that's called commoditizing, and it's called merchandising. We go to school to learn to merchandise. And the first thing you learn to do in sales is to sell something to someone they don't want or think they need until you convince them they do need it. That's called merchandising. You know what it, the scripture, you know what the Bible calls that? Whoremongering. That is the description of selling anything at any cost. It has nothing to do, by the way, with a woman, a desperate woman who would sell her body to survive. That is not a prostitute, by the way. In scripture, it's all men who would merchandise and do anything to sell something. That's called whoremongering, and that's what God is referring to when he's that angry about it. Well, we missed that one, didn't we? We missed a lot of them. I'm sorry. We missed a bunch of them. Second beast rises up out of the land, and he has horns like lamb's horns. Lamb's horns means small horns, which means small power. The, he's, lamb's horns means the second beast came from the spirit of religion. The church made the second beast. Only now we're beginning to see that. So the church makes the second beast the second beast realizes the first beast is walking in the power of the dragon, the devil himself. And the second beast says, you know, that's serious power. We need to figure out how to embrace this serious power because we need that for us. So they start embracing the power of the first beast, never realizing it came from the devil himself. The devil just stood back when he empowered the first beast. He said, hey, you guys can do this on your own. You don't need me anymore. All I need to do is stand up here, and I give you my power and authority to do things. The second beast gets all kind of sideways, and he decides, 
we need to show some power here. And they begin to prophesy the first beast, and we should take on the mark, the number, and the name of the first beast. Nobody's going to be standing out in the hallway. You want to take the mark of the beast. You're not going to have that kind of choice. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? The reason why it's an economic beast is because we're willing to do anything to sell it. We're willing to do anything to merchandise it. That's what that means by, by uh, economic mark. Mark means the engraving upon you of the personality of the one that you're worshiping. The name means the character and the reputation, taking on the character and the reputation. The church has taken on too much of the character and reputation of the world in order to market itself. Guess what? That's the mark. That's of the beast, folks. That's, we've got it already. There is good news. I won't end on bad news. There is good news. <laughs> I will not end on kill. <laughs> My favorite preacher is the guys that used to quake, preach to the shakers. You're all going to hell. That's all there is to it. You know, and it's my favorite sermon. Um, and, um, and so everybody would shake in their seats thinking that was going to shake that off. But all of this to say, when we get down to the end of this whole, all of this mess that we're walking in, uh, we are the guilty parties. So the name is the character, the reputation, the mark is the engraving of it, and then the number is the number of man, six. That's why it's six, six, six. It's man, man, man is what that means. That means everything is us, not God. Man does it, man hears it, man fixes it. No God. That's why it's six, six, six. It's doing all of this without God. And that's the stress and the strain we're under at this minute. How can I fix your body without God? How can I fix your emotions without God? And how can I change who you are without God? And how can I get what I need from you without God? That's what's happening. That's called the first beast. And the second beast wants to glean a few of those things to use it to save itself. And it even begins to prophesy that the first beast is worth worshiping. That just means focusing your attention, by the way. This, we hold this thing in our hand every day. I don't have, I got tired of having that, the symbol of the fallen man in my pocket all the time. Um, and I just looked at that one day and I said, we are right on worshiping this thing. Anything your focus of attention is on all the time is what you're worshiping. And that's what this is. Focus on trying to survive. Focus on building the church. There's nothing wrong with building the church except for using the techniques of the first beast to do it. Is this making really any really good sense? And is, at the moment, so God shut every church in the stupid world down. <laughs> So maybe we're starting over. Is that what you're saying, God? I would say we're starting over. And this one he's going to build. This one he's building. It's not about buildings. I'm getting nuts. It's about him building us in that church. That's going to be the strength of it. Anyway, here's the, the, the really the great stuff that's 
it's stunning what's actually coming. I, I, um, anyway, I need to stop. Um, Satan gets thrown out of heaven. You knew that, right? And Jesus sees it happening in, uh, in John. He's in John. Uh, they're in his disciples. He sent 70 disciples out. They're casting out demons in the name of Jesus. Now, we're, we're big stuff. Hey, we're big stuff right here, buddy. Look at here, man. Demons are running because we said Jesus. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> Out of that. And they run the other way. Um, then when they come back and they're all impressed with themselves, and Jesus says to them, I just saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Do you remember that scripture? I used to like that. Um, then we go all the way to Revelation, and Michael the archangel gets in a fist fight with the devil and his gang, and he beats up the devil, I like that, and throws him out of heaven. Jesus identifies when that took place. 2,000 years ago, Satan got thrown out of heaven, registered in this book. And he landed where? He landed in Syracuse, is that what you said? <laughs> we could probably find a lot of places that he landed <laughs> pretty fast. One, one believe his throne is in Pergamum, the throne of Satan, which is one of the churches. Isn't that funny? God puts a church right there where the throne of Satan is. Uh, and then the other is that he's in the second heaven, uh, that he got incarcerated to the second heaven. I like that part too. But he does have cronies down here trying to kill all the witnesses. That's why we're, we went into witness protection when we got born again. We're not who we were, so we can't be found by the ones who are trying to kill everybody who's a witness because we're not only witnesses for Christ, we're witnesses against the darkness. And that's the part we missed. We are witnesses for Christ, but we're also to stand up and be witnesses against evil. Making sense? There used to be a kid that drove up and down the road where we lived in Nashville. We were kind of in a neighborhood. A lot of kids in the neighborhood and stuff. This one kid would drive up the road, going like crazy. And I said, man, I'm going to go out there and stop that kid one day. And there's too many kids around here. For him driving like that, I thought that's crazy. But then halfway through, of course, the devil came right up and said, you speed. So you can't go tell that kid to stop speeding and save the lives of those children that you're threatening, because why? Because I speed, and I stood there for a minute, and I thought, no, no, no. What I do wrong is not a matter of what this is. Do you know what I mean? Wrong is wrong, right is right. And going too fast in a neighborhood with a lot of kids is wrong. And someone is going to die, and I'm gonna get in this kid's face and stop that, even though I speed. Is that making any sense? We're coming to the time that even though I can't say anything to my kids, you know, I slept with my girlfriend too. Wake up. Wake up. That's not what Jesus said. That's not what his scriptures say. That's not what we're taught. But what we're trying to do is make a rule over something we don't have any intentions of fulfilling. And so the word testimony means how I failed and how Christ saved me. That was written in scripture. When Moses, God said, I'm, making, I'm establishing in you a testimony because I know you'll tell your children 
in the morning and in the evening. Testimony means of how you didn't get it right and I saved your life. If you can't tell your children that, you're probably not going to ever get to the point of them seeking your God. If they don't think that God's the one that saved the situation that we screwed up, we're really lost. I know this makes sense. Changing from here is hard. How many are over 50 in here? Well, there's your vast majority. What the heck do you think God's got this many older people in the church for? Waste a lot of time? Use up space? Drain the resources so the kids have got nothing to eat? When we're done sucking it up, what do you think you're here for? You're here to help another generation walk with God. Not your version of your religious crap, but the real version that actually walks with God, fails and then gets back up, and then fails and gets back up again, and says, what I've learned in my 50 years is how to get back up. I know how to get back. Is that my, is, are my nuts or is everybody in this room capable of getting back up? If, have you learned one thing? I learned how to get back up and nothing's going to knock me down enough to get me from getting back up. You know what I mean. That's why you're here. Majority of the church. God's not going to send any kids in here until you're ready. Get the young people in here. No, not yet. Not until you're ready for them are they coming. You can like that or you can lump it. But I'm an old guy. I live on the hill. I don't really care if anybody likes me after this. <laughs> All right. Anyway, there's much, 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 much more in, in Revelation that's, uh, that's relevant this minute. It's not relevant in another 10 years or 15. And maybe we'll get another try at this and we'll look at some deeper things because we must see the victory that is given to us. And those who overcame the mark of the beast, there they are, those who overcame the mark of the beast are now standing on the sea of glass, the, standing on humanity's transparency. They have overcome the mark. There is no scripture that says don't take the mark. The scripture says those who overcome it. And they're given harps of God. I wouldn't mind a harp coming from the king, uh, and they are singing the song of the Lamb and the song of Moses. That's great. Amen. Blessings. Shall I pray? Amen. I do want to pray. Yeah. Praise God. This is good stuff. Thank you, Father. This is excellent. Thank you. Amen. Thank you yeah, we give honor to whom honors yes. do. Okay? Yes. Yes, A real father. Yes, Father. And he's anointing our eyes with eye salve. Have you noticed that today? The Lord's given us new vision. And our hearts burn within us, Don. So anyway, you have to come back. I mean, you know, we're going we're gonna to stay on this theme. I mean, we've been jumping into this. But this is a deep, this is good. We, this is the deep water we were talking about. So anyway, you and I will get together. We want you to come back soon. We ain't got a lot of time. So we kind of need to, um, we need to jump on this. But uh, thank you so much. Um, and, and we need to pray, though, to seal this. You know, there needs to be something. 
I know his word never returns void, but I know the birds of the air come to try to snatch away the seed when it's sown. So we're going to bind the birds. We're going to pray that God would somehow seal even us today. And um, also, we're going to have baptism. I'm just telling you, Jesus is touching people in those waters that have been saved, but it's like launching into their purpose, their destiny. Remember when Jesus was baptized, it was not unto repentance. He'd never sinned. So it was to fulfill all righteousness. But there are things that are happening. People are meeting the Holy Spirit. They're meeting Jesus in those waters. You've been praying that President Trump would come for a long time and be baptized. Hey, we have not because we ask not. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. I'm just going to believe God. But anyway, Lord, we ask you to seal these words. Lord, we thank you. Thank you. We ask now, God, that the birds of the air would be, we push them back, we bind them, we say no to steal what's been planted. God, we ask you not for 30-fold or 60-fold. We ask you for 100-fold fruit. We ask you for a big harvest of what's been sown this morning. We receive, Lord. We ask you, God, to whatever degree you're, that this is, can be done, we pray, seal, seal us, Lord. Seal people in this room, people that are watching. Seal your servants for the hour in which we're living. Thank you that you are anointing our eyes with salve. You're enabling us to see beyond what men have told us what we should see. We're seeing what the Son of Man has described is truth. And so we thank you, God. We honor you. I bless everyone that's here. That's God, just go with them. Fill them with faith, hope, joy, your kingdom. And we thank you, God. Touch the people, Lord, that we're watching this morning. And we bless you in Jesus' strong name again. Amen. Amen.